Family Matters and Contract Writing Information is available by calling one This is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swing. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZ FM, Holly, Fargo, Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo, Moorhead, and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. It is that time. It is Monday night time. It is Attitude Era Live time here on 89.1 Ken's FM. And we have a big show, and right out of the chute, uh, I know Granny's here. How are you, Granny? Good to have you. I'm good. Good to be here. And after missing an action, Matthias is back. How are you? Well, Icon, I've had uh, I've had quite a month, and uh, it's it's good to be back here on 89.1 Ken's FM. And I'll tell you what, we we have missed your ego here. It's good to have you back. But uh, right now, we're going to start with our first guest here, and uh, it's Christian Stensley. Is that correct? You nailed it. All right, let's make sure I got you on the right mic. Uh, say hello again. Hello, hello. Perfect. All right, so we got you on the right mic. So now you're going to be our first guest right out of the shoot here, and uh, we'll catch up everybody up on what everybody's doing uh, later on. But in the meantime here, uh, let's talk about uh, your project. You've got a nice movie coming out this weekend, don't you? That's right, Saturday, June 10th, uh, premiering at the Fargo Theater. And I believe it's uh, some kind of Lego movie or something, right? Yes, it is. Uh, although not affiliated with Lego, the movie is entirely made using stop-motion animation and Lego bricks and minifigures. And uh, was it uh, what inspired you? Was it all the times that your mom told you to pick up your Legos and stuff like that, or what inspired you to make the movie? You know, it's funny. Lego was an obsession of mine, obviously, from a very young age. I just, uh, I just got completely enthralled by the fact that you could build anything you wanted and eventually I accumulated enough because it was the only toy I asked for uh, that I really realized anything I could envision I could build didn't take long before that kind of train of thought uh, bled into filmmaking you know I could tell any story that I wanted to tell Um, it was just a matter of putting the pieces together in the right way and putting in the time Uh, and so this movie is really just a combination of my two great loves which is Lego and filmmaking and uh, we're, we're going uh, we're, we're gonna to have this in two parts. We're going to have you the first part of the show and then the last part of the show. Uh, we'll, we'll get into more of the movie detail, uh, the second part of the interview, because we want uh, fans to stick around because we know that they want to hear this. And we've got some great giveaways for them and some other cool stuff. So I'm kind of curious. Now, if someone were to walk into your basement, is it just wall-to-wall Legos, buckets of Legos, shelves full of Legos? Yeah, uh, it is, there are quite a few bins, uh, uh, various, uh, I'm actually resorting it all right now, but uh, typically if you walked into the studio on any given day, you'd see a lot of Lego on the floor, it's a bit of a minefield, uh, and then one table uh, dimly lit with a bunch of little lights and a tripod, and that was that's the world I've been living in. So now I'm kind of curious, with all that being said, and this cool movie that you got going on, 
how many uh, how many of your neighbors complain because of all the explosions and stuff in your basement when you're making this movie? You know, it's pretty funny. Uh, so in the early production stages, we recorded all of the voices, all the voice actors, uh, and we actually did most of that in my parents' basement back in Mandan, North Dakota. Uh, and so for several weeks or several months, actually, they had to put up with hearing the most atrocious screams and cries of agony and terror uh, coming from my voice actors downstairs. But uh, fortunately, stop motion animation itself is a very quiet process, so my neighbors haven't had to worry about it. Now, here, here's, here's something cool. Now, you, we, we kind of talked a little off air before we came on that you were planning on doing a trilogy. This is not going to be the only one you're doing, correct? Correct. Uh, and it's actually, you know, it's, it isn't technically the only one, the first one either. This, this cinematic universe actually arises from something that I've been working on uh, technically since I was about 14, 15 years old, but I just sat on the back burner forever and got back into it in college and, you know, Everything I've released prior to this was kind of short and episodic, and, you know, I wove the episodes together into kind of feature-length things. But this is the first project I've ever undertaken that was written, produced, uh, and created as an entire feature-length film. So it's unique in that sense. Now, we're, we're going to have a couple independent uh, directors on in the, uh, next, uh, in the next couple of segments, we have our, our resident wrestler coming up here. Uh, she'll be our first guest. Uh, we're going to get to her in about 10 minutes. My, my other question to you is, with, with all this uh, cool stuff being said with Legos, now, is there, uh, there's obviously, got, with every movie, there's got, there's got to be like a hero, a villain. You have all those elements? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's... Would you like me to go into, like, the specific characters? Yeah, what, what are the main characters? Sure thing. So, uh, really, the main character, the character the story revolves around, is a young soldier who's named Huxley. And he's really kind of jaded, and he's uh, kind of at his wit's end, uh, and, you know, actually losing his mind a little bit. So he wounds himself to get off the battlefield. And, you know, this is not... You know, modern day, this takes place in the distant future, and they're not fighting other humans. They're fighting this just endlessly multiplying hive-minded alien entity called Slag. Uh, and it's really, you know, terrifying. And so he gets off the battlefield, but he's reassigned as, as a, uh, on guard duty on an orbiting warship. Uh, and on that assignment, which turns out to be a very strange assignment, uh, he meets Iris, who is a young apprentice military psychic. This is in the future, there are these psychics who use their abilities to help the military fight this alien species. Uh, and so they end up working together, and uh, then all, you know, uh, catastrophe strikes the ship, and it becomes this brutal fight for survival uh, to save themselves physically and to not get their minds and consciousness corrupted by this terrifying alien force. we got about uh, nine minutes before our first guest calls in. So, uh, Granny, do you have a question for our, our, our guest here? Well, I mean, this is pretty interesting. I mean, you know, I I never played with Legos much growing up as a kid, but I mean, what is one of your most favorite things you've created with your Legos? And you can't say being on the show because that'd be too easy. <laughs> you know, that's a it's an interesting question. Um, I'm endlessly fascinated. You know, there's it's a limitless uh, toy and uh, medium for storytelling and you know whether it's storytelling through film or you know there's a massive um 
there's a massive collection of people and community of people who build Legos. They actually call them AFOLs, uh, adult fans of Lego, um, who, you know, they, all they do is they build their own creations, publish them out there. Uh, there's conventions on all this stuff. And the brick filming world, which is Lego stop motion animation, is a little bit more niche, but um, I'm just, I'm so grateful that I started this hobby, you know, brick filming, because it has been a way for me to not just, like, tell the stories I want to tell, but play with ideas that kind of, uh, I don't know, haunt me or entice me. Um, you know, that's that's why I create and why I do storytelling. And so um, I would say, you know, really this, this series that I've created is, uh, it's a very, you know, wide-spanning answer, but that would have to be my answer to that question. All right, Matthias, you got well, a question? Well, I live... I, well, I live in Arkansas. You know, I live in Springdale, Arkansas, and every year we have a Comic-Con um, up in Rogers, Arkansas, and every year, I've been to it the last two years, and they've had, like, this huge display of Lego stuff. I mean, it's, I mean, you walk in the room, and all it is is just all Legos. I mean, it's absolutely amazing to look at, so... Yeah, there's there's so much, just so many awe-inspiring creations and displays that have been created. I was just down in Virginia, actually, uh, for an event called Brick Fair, which is, you know, kind of, it's a convention that's dedicated to people putting together their own displays, and some people put together these massive collaborative displays, you know, like in a, a huge castle, an entire village surrounding it, and it's just unbelievable what people are able to put together. And I, you know, I really wanted to inspire awe myself, but... Uh, through an epic, uh, long film rather than one creation. You know, that was kind of my choice. But it certainly is a flexible uh, building tool. All right. Uh, Matthias, you got a question? Go ahead. Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. My voice is kind of raspy right now. Uh, my main question right now with, with you would be is uh, I'm a big uh, filmmaker myself, so I already know how hard uh, stop-motion animation is. You know, sometimes it'll take somebody three days to make a one-minute film that's just strictly stop motion. How long is your uh, feature film, and how long did it actually take you to make it uh, take for take? You know, I really wish there are some choices that I made during production, and one was I'm not going to try to measure every minute, but sometimes I wish that that was more feasible. Uh, but to answer your question, the length, the runtime of the movie is 90 minutes, so it's an hour and a half, you know, a pretty standard length for a film, uh, by far the longest that I've ever made. Uh, and from the time I started kind of plotting the story with some friends uh, to its um, completion was about two and a half years. And that's at animating at 15 frames per second. Um, I think I calculated there are probably around there were probably around 64,000 individual frames taken in the film. Um, and, you know, it was just a lot of weeknights coming home from a day job, just animating for three hours or however long I could tolerate. Saturdays and Sundays I was in town putting in as many hours as I could tolerate. You know, and it was interesting. It was an interesting experiment in seeing at what point do I burn out and how do I keep that from happening. But yeah. uh, I haven't burned out yet. 
Uh, Christian uh, Sensley is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM, and uh, we have about, uh, well, we have about uh, four minutes left of this segment, and then uh, stick around because he's going to be back at the end of the show, and he's going he's gonna to be asking some questions of our guests coming up. Uh, then we'll get to our first guest. I know she's on the line, and I do apologize, uh, and uh, I don't want to make this particular guest upset because she can twist me like a pretzel. I've seen what she can do to guys in the ring, so we'll, we'll, we'll go to her in about three minutes. Now, uh, so uh, tell us again when the movie is and uh, how they can come check it out. Sure thing. So the movie is premiering at the Fargo Theater downtown this Saturday, June 10th. Doors open at 6.30. The movie will show at 7. Um, and Just don't give ticket prices. Yeah, they are available at the door. All right. And uh, we're also going to have uh, the icon will be there uh, at uh, the premiere. And uh, I'll be giving away some tickets later on, and I'll also be giving away tickets uh, on our Facebook page. So if you want to come check it out, if you're going to be in Fargo this weekend on Saturday, uh, we'll, we'll, you'll have a chance to win some tickets. And, uh, hey, you, you uh, will not only get to meet uh, you're gonna. Have, I'm sure. Yeah. Will you have a meet and greet and some qu- a question session at the end? Yep. Yep. There's a. Uh, you know, we'll do an introduction at the beginning, but at the end, we'll bring uh, as many of the cast and crew up as could make it. The voice actors, the score composer, who's my brother. Uh, we'll all introduce ourselves, and we'll have some time for some Q and A. Now, I'm going to ask you one question because our fans are knowing this is coming because uh, they're talking about the chat uh, chat room right now. You said that uh, you want to turn this into a trilogy. Would you have a voiceover role? For the icon in your next picture. As long as you keep bringing me back to promote the future films, I know we'll find something for you. You will, every time you do a film from now on, you will be able to come on this show and talk about it. All right. Well, then it's a deal. All right. So we're, uh, so stick around uh, for the, uh, uh, after our next three guests, uh, we're going to ask uh, uh, Mr. Sensley some more questions, but uh, we're going to take a quick little commercial break. We will be right back after these messages from our sponsor and, uh, our first guest will be right here, so stick around. We'll be back after this. The new Wood Spring Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange, is an extended-stay pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Woodspring Suites of Fargo, rated 4.2 by Trust Score. And, yes, they are a great hotel. I know because I used to work there. As a matter of fact, uh, today would have been my one-year anniversary of being the uh, assistant manager at the location. Of course, I'm no longer there because I moved on to bigger and better things like this show. But right now, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, our resident wrestler, she is beautiful, she is tough, and she will beat you just for asking her phone number. I know. Ladies and gentlemen, she is Sheba Queen. Thank you. Hey, this is the beautiful brutality herself, Shiva. I'm also one half of the grizzled brutality. If you're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live on uh, 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, the godmother of wrestling herself, Granny Holster, and the modern nightmare, Matthias. So how are you, Sheba? Should we call you Miss Queen? Should we call you 
Miss Sheba, how would you like us to address you? Because I'm going to be walking with painted paws. I, I saw some of your uh, padded paws. I've seen some of your uh, matches online, so I want to make sure we're careful. Uh, Sheba is just fine. All right, Sheba. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're, uh, we thank you for joining us. Uh, Sheba Queen is here, and uh, we have uh, 30 minutes with our first guest. So here's what we're going to do, Sheba. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Uh, we'll do a roundtable, then we'll come back to me, and I'll ask you the separate questions. But first, we want you to give us a little background about yourself. So, uh, yeah, no worries. Um, so as already stated, I'm uh, Sheba, or also known as Sheba Queen. Um, so uh, I originally started wrestling, um, started training back in uh, 2007, became truly active in 2009. Um, uh, Shiva was not my original wrestling name. I was named Shiva by Booker T himself uh, back in 2018. Um, I recently came back uh, in 2020, uh, or I'm sorry, uh 2022, um, after taking a little bit of a hiatus after an injury and several surgeries. Um, and then I'm currently on another uh, brief hiatus uh, as I just had surgery again. Sheba Queens, our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. we got about 29 minutes here with Sheba. So I'm going to ask you a few questions, like I said, then we'll do a roundtable and we'll come back to me. Uh, so now when you're, with your wrestling style, are you more of a high flyer like a Rey Mysterio? Are you a technical wrestler like a Bret Hart, or are you just a brawler like a Stone Cold Steve Austin? So um, technically uh, I am a, a more of a brawler style now. Um, uh, I, I technically can do all three uh, and, and proficient in it. Uh, I just prefer not to fly much anymore. I'm getting older in my age, so it hurts. Um, more power to Ray Mysterio for being able to do it for as long as he has. Uh, but I am technical, and, uh, you know, if I do have an opponent that is my size, then I'm more than happy to go toe-to-toe <laughs> with anybody. It's perfectly fine. Now, I'm just kind of curious, do you make your own outfits or do you buy them or do you have someone design them? Um, I design all of my uh, gear and I make it all. So, yeah. Wow. So, now this is going to be uh, lead into our, this next question is going to lead into uh, my first co-host I'm going to introduce you to. When you wrestle, are you more of a baby face, a heel, an in-between me, or are you more of a crowd individual? So it really just depends on the area. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, I'm pretty well-rounded in which I can work in either direction. Uh, So, um, you know, some places people just hate my guts, and I personally could give two two licks less. Um, And then, you know, some places, you know, people, they they look at me as um, an inspiration and, you know, they follow me and my journey through everything, whether it's been weight loss or surgeries or injuries or, you know, big comebacks. And, you know, they, they look at me as a role model and, you know, I come over as a super baby there. So um, it, some places I'm, a, a, as you say, right in between or a tweener. So uh, it really just depends on the location and the people that I'm around and if they even know who I am. So if some places don't even know who I am and I walk through the door and I look at somebody the wrong way, everybody's going to hate my guts. 
Well, this is going to be interesting. Granny, we have a potential heel on our hands. What do you have for our guests? Go ahead, Granny. We have uh, 26 minutes. Well, you know, I kind of, it's kind of ironic because I believe I recognize this person. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if it's who I think you it should. is, and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I do know who it is. I know her tag team partner when she has mixed matches in her career. If it's who I think, if I, if it's who I think this is, because yes, she's talking you about do. her third. You know exactly okay, who okay, I am. I okay. I thought so. I thought so because Icon, I actually got to chop her guy Ryan Davidson. At a show in Arkansas <laughs> back in 2019, when he was wrestling against Magnificent Malico, he got—I actually got to chop Ryan at that show. That's who my thought this yes. was. <laughs> hey, Sheba, are, are you still upset that Granny spilled a drink on you? I know. Oh, no, Icon. I've never met. Now, I've never met Sheba personally. I have never met her personally, but I do know her, and I had been praying for her, for her surgeries that she'd been having and everything. And how is Ryan, by the way? I haven't seen him in a very, very, very long time. Ryan is great, um, you know, and I do appreciate your prayers and everything. It's been a rough journey, but, um, you know, he's he's gone through all of this with me, and uh, he's I know been he has. a solid solid, uh, you know, man overall and, you know, just keeping the grind and, you know, keeping up with, you know, his his wrestling and everything. And mm-hmm. I've kind of morphed mm-hmm. myself to be supportive for him. So, um, but he's doing great. Um, he's still super active and, you know, he's coming up on 20 years of doing this. So, you know. Wow. Wow. I knew it had been a long time for him. So, yeah, when you're talking about Booker T, I actually had the opportunity to get to meet Booker T like a year ago at a Comic-Con here in Springdale, Arkansas. Well, it was in Rogers, Arkansas. I live in Northwest Arkansas. And and then I got to see Booker last year when we went to WrestleMania down in Dallas, you know, got to see him at WrestleCon. So that was pretty cool to get get to see Booker again. So, yeah, you'll have to tell uh, Ryan Davidson that Granny and Anthony and David from Springdale, Arkansas, Says sends their hello. So I guess my question to you is, if you could had any kind of dream match, who would you want it? What kind of match would you want it to be, and who would you want your opponent to be? If I could have a dream match, um, you know, I if I could turn back the clock. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, like, if I could do it, like, with the body before injuries and everything else, like, when I first started out, um, you know, going overseas, I would honestly do it uh, with my tag partner and, um, you know, and the, the both of us just, um, honestly, let me back that soul train up a bit, Uh when I broke in and uh, started becoming active, I was um, uh, working with uh, New Japan's Vader Time. So there was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I knew Leon very well or uh, Vader himself. 
um, mm-hmm. and Michael Faith, and, you know, I, I do know Lance very well. And at the time, it was Haley Hatred that was a part of Vader time. And so, like, if we could turn back the clock and be a part of that group and then bring, you know, have my, my current tag partner, you know, with that and just be a part of that mix itself, and it really wouldn't matter who the opponent is, that would be, like, the ultimate dream right there. That would be awesome. Awesome. Sheba Queen's our guest here. We've got about the 22 minutes here. Uh, Sheba, I'm going to introduce you to uh, my uh, 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 uh co-host today. Uh, he's got a movie he's, uh, he's promoting, and uh, he's got a cool question for you. Uh, go ahead, sir. What is your question for Sheba Queen? All right, Sheba Queen, my uh, bit of a fish out of water here. You know, I, I come from a background of animating Legos, uh, not too much in the wrestling world, but... Uh, as a storyteller and filmmaker, I think a lot about, you know, inspiration, character dynamics, um, and, of course, heroes and villains and all that stuff. Uh, but I'm curious uh, to hear a little bit about your, you know, when you uh, became, you know, she the queen, what was that character cultivation like? You know, what, where did you draw inspiration from? Um, Shiva, you know, is a reference. I, I believe that's a, I hope I don't get butchered here, but a Hindu god of war. Uh, or destruction, chaos, um, and I'm just curious uh, what that uh, kind of persona cultivation was like, and if you have any specific or specific inspirations, or if you drew inspiration from a number of places. And to think, you, for those people that are listening that didn't think this was not an educational program, our uh, surprise guest just uh, uh, threw that out the window. So go ahead, Chief. <laughs> go ahead with your answer. Hey. It is all good. Hey, no, I respect that that kind of question. And, you know, you don't really get um, a whole lot of character development kind of questions. And it's actually pronounced Shiva, and it is Hindu, uh, and you've got it right on the – hit the nail on the head there. So um, Shiva is kind of like the um, the goddess of destruction. Shiva is the god. And so, um, I mean, you've, you've got it right there. Um you know, a, a lot of uh, the the name itself was given to me, uh, like I had said, by Booker um, himself. Uh, my original name was, uh, well, one of my original names was uh, Kiramaya. And, uh, you know, it just didn't really fit the character that I had uh, morphed into. So I like to look at myself as clay and pretty much any wrestler out there is clay. We're always going to be moldable. We're always going to be shifting. We're going to be, um, you know, tweaking this and that. And uh, my, um, my, my heritage, my background uh, is uh, my family is actually from a Scandinavian area. And so, um, you know, it kind of started as uh, my my look was very armor-esque. Um, it, it was similar to it uh, when I came back, um, but I'll be honest with you, it was very hot <laughs> to wrestle in it. So I kind of stuck to it to, like, stretch breathable fabric. Um, so it, it, my, my overall image is I'm, I'm very large for a woman. I'm very tall. Um, I'm very muscular uh, in comparison to a lot of the girls that are out there. So, and I also have this magical power that when I step into the ring, uh, it's almost like um, I go Hulkster on it. uh, And my, 
the my perception or like the perception of myself and what other people see is like I could be in the ring with somebody that's legit the exact same height as me, but I will look bigger overall. So I'll look taller. I'll look larger than life. Even though when we stand nose to nose, we're the exact same size. Um, it's just this perception that I can do with uh, my body and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a trick. I don't know how on earth I do it, but um, so with my uh, my overall presence and um, just my style of wrestling, uh, you know how strong I am, um, and then you know, kind of taking uh, you know I haven't really gone like full Viking or anything like that because I'll be honest with you, uh, my my heritage is more towards um like finland and the uh, sami nation which they are actually peaceful <laughs> reindeer herders uh so uh you know it's not really fair for me to you know bring that into it um so uh but yeah like let me bring myself back on track cause my adhd likes to squirrel around uh That's so my overall presence and everything so it, it's just kind of how everything kind of morphed together and the clay, like I said, you know, we're ever shifting and things along that nature. So um, my character is a version of myself um, that uh, just kind of comes out that day. Uh, And so it kind of, it's acting, but it's not acting. It's literally a piece of us that we, want the world to see because, you know, whatever scenario it might be out there. And that's for pretty much any wrestler out there. Their their character persona that comes out is always a piece of them. Um, and so mine, for instance, is this dominating force overall, this goddess of destruction. I want to show pain to everyone that ever pained me. And I want to, um, you know, show the world that no matter what's said or done to me, nothing's going to keep me down. Uh, I think it's interesting, you know, how you describe, like, seeming, appearing to loom over your opponent, even though you're, like, the same height. Uh, definitely, you know, kind of sounds like the Viking idea of berserk, going berserk, you know. Um, and I'm curious where you kind of embody something that's larger than you actually normally are would be, um, but when that happens, I'm curious what it feels like internally. Does it feel like you're turning something on or like you're handing the reins over to somebody else? It's almost like a switch. I'll be honest with you. It is like a switch. Um, and it happens right before ever entering the arena. Or not not the arena, but like going through the curtain. So there's this like internal switch that just turns on and it's like um, – you know, the big inflatables that are out there, you just, it's just something internal, everything, all your muscles start pumping up and you base, like I brought up, you know, um, the incredible Hulk earlier, you know, I'm hulking up. That's essentially what it is. It's just this, oh, I'm turning into the big green giant. I'm just, um, but I'm still myself, you know, I'm still in there, but uh, this rage version of myself that's been contained for so long is coming free and and 
um, we're about to get down to business. And regardless of whatever pretty girl may be singing a little song to me, that won't work. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't end until the bell rings that final time. That's fun. Uh, Sheba Queens, our guest here on 89.1 Kids F. We've got about uh, 14 minutes here. Uh, I want to introduce you to our resident wrestler. His name is Matthias, and uh, he's got a little introduction, and he's going to ask you a few questions. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Well, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel and former current, well, for, former reigning, defending, and undisputed APW World Heavyweight Champion and soon-to-be BZW World Tag Team Champion and EWI Epic Champion and an honorary member of the New World Order, Matthias. Welcome on to my part of the program. Shiva, I think you could take him. Uh, well, as, <laughs> I know well, you could, Shiva. <laughs> Well, I'm going to say this right now. Her and I are kind of having similar backstories here with uh, injuries and surgeries. So right now I'm taking a hiatus right now as of surgeries and injuries. So I'm not able to currently compete, and I haven't been for the past few months, which hasn't been uh, fun for me. But my main question for you uh, would be, ever since the beginning of your career, um, clearly it's been injuries and stuff that have been a setback for you. But what was one of the hardest things that you've ever had to uh, to topple over or accomplish, or what was one of the harder things you've ever had to deal with uh, growing in the uh, professional wrestling industry? Uh, that's a that's a really great question. So yeah, aside of injuries and complications and things along that nature, um, just before I jump in that, I'm sorry that you're on injury because I totally get it. It really sucks, especially if it's been a few months because I'm right there with you, buddy. It it really bites. But um, in terms of uh, something that, you know, something to have to overcome, essentially, uh, when, when I broke in um, in wrestling, it it's not like it is today. Today is very... I don't want to say it's it's very easy. It's very easy compared to how it was when I initially broke in. Um, I agree. So uh, when I, I'm not sure when you broke in, Matthias, um, I can tell you uh, right away when I was training. Like I, you know, there's a there's almost uh, it, it was just over a year that I had trained a year and a half, I believe in total, um, I got my butt handed to me, handed to me on a silver platter, literally had teeth knocked out. I had bones broken. I had taken snap suplexes on concrete ground, the concrete floor. Um, I literally got the snot beat out of me. It did not matter if you were a man, if you were a woman, you got, everything handed to you. And I'm trying to do this PG way possible to say and describe That's this. Cool. Thank but you. when I say blood, sweat, and tears, we're talking blood, sweat, and tears. I took, um, I, I remember a clothesline specifically where uh, the guest trainer purposely punched us in the mouth 
And I took the bump, stood up, leaned over the side of the ring, and spit out into the floor um, teeth, uh, bits, and blood that was pooling in my mouth. Um, And then (laughs) the following day, I had to have emergency dental surgery done on my teeth. Uh, It was that rough. Uh, and that was probably the hardest thing to overcome is literally going to training five days a week. And then, you know, you have shows and you're the young boy. So, you know, the vets back then, you, you washed their gear. You went to shows on them. You drove everywhere. You did everything for the vets. So you got an opportunity to possibly get a small piece on a show, whether you're going to valet or you're going to, manage or you might announce that show or you're going to pay your dues with setting up and tearing down or, you know, something just so your name got out there. And, um, you know, it, 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 that was probably the hardest thing to overcome, which I respect now thinking back on it because it really did kind of break down that ego that we all naturally have because these kids don't have that now. Um, they no. come in, you know, they're athletes or whatever, and they can roll around and do a couple bumps and run the ropes and ta-da, you know, it's like all magic. And, you know, they're not understanding um, true psychology breakdowns of, you know, uh, bad, good versus evil. You know, we were talking about um, the young director, you know, he's he's doing these Lego movies, which I think is absolutely amazing, but it's it's good versus evil. That's what wrestling is. It's not hey, let's do um, 100 cool moves back to back to back and literally kill each other and throw everything at each other except for the kitchen sink. It's a story, and that is what wrestling is. And um, so that part of wrestling was the hardest to overcome for me personally um, because, you know, it's the the physical breakdown. Now, I believe I want to be as injured and broke down as I am right now if it wasn't for that, but... Um, yeah. In, in terms of me personally, I think that was the hardest uh, in, in wrestling itself. Um, you know, kind of getting over the, uh, the the star factor of understanding the other people that, regardless if they're on TV or something like that, they're normal human beings. They're just like us, and that took a second to get. That was pretty hard to kind of grasp at first, but once it was there, it was there. Under, understandable. Um, go, go ahead, Icon, real quick. No, go ahead. Okay, so I completely agree with you in every aspect of what you just said in regards to training back then and everything like that. It was brutal. It was hard. It was difficult. And people, these uh, the kids nowadays, you know, I, I have been approached by 30-year vets. I've been approached by 35, 40-year-old vets. And all they say is, like, they say, I thank you for the respect you show everybody. Um, I have, they've told me I'm, I've gotten the psychology down because, like, I've, I've learned from in, the, in that past era, whereas other people, they just expect to get handed out everything just because they can do flippy-do stuff and do shooting star presses and do a Canadian Destroyer or whatever the heck you want to call it and stuff like that, all these fancy moves. Whereas I like the basic kind of stuff. I'm not a I'm not a flippy guy myself. But uh, my next question for you is: um, every every wrestler throughout their career has a bump that they can remember 
that they are either scared of or that they absolutely refuse to take ever again? Is there a bump you have taken in your career, whether it be on, like, a weapon of some sort or just a scary bump you had to take? Is there a bump that you could say you will never, ever take again, no matter who it is from? Um, you know, I, I honestly, it would be a, a snap suplex, like a true snap suplex on the concrete. So I took two of those in my training in order to quote unquote graduate. Um, and I still cringe when I see people, um, talk about doing even on mats on the outside of the ring. Uh, that's a, that's a rough bump to take period. Um, but the, when I tell you that every bone in your body literally vibrates, um, from the impact because there's no give and your ankles hurt. So you literally lay there because all of the air is taken out of your body. Everything hits with such a force and impact your ankles. You, you can't even walk for the first two minutes after no. you take this bump. Um, you're, you know, it's such an excruciating experience. Um, I, oh. I would rather – and knock on wood here, like straight up, I would rather be in a head-on collision going 70 miles an hour in a car than take that bump again, period. Yeah, that, it is, that is quite the nasty bump. Like as, uh, as uh, Jim Cornette said one time when McFoley took a full back concrete bump after taking a drop kick, I think it was from Vader, and he landed flat back, he's like, we could even feel it in our feet. And just the thud and the impact is just mm-hmm. incredible. But uh, – and um, for me as a wrestler, there is not – I mean, right now, the only time I've ever taken a German suplex is when it's been by a person that either wasn't trained to do it or overthrew me, so I've landed on my neck a few times. So that right there just kind of mm. irks me a little bit. But the uh, the bumps that I, I, I don't mind taking, which a lot of people find it as shocking, um, I don't – I have a really high pain tolerance, which I do appreciate – because I've landed on broken glass, I went through thumbtacks, barbed wire, Legos, Lego, like I said, Legos, thumbtacks, barbed wire, tables, all this kind of stuff. And um, and everybody says like, oh, I won't take this bump. But one time I took a bump. Um, I was in a no holds barred match against a guy named Danny Duggan in Valley City, and um, I was on the top rope about to give him a splash through a table, and he clobbered me from the back and he poured a bunch of thumbtacks on the table and he threw me um over tea kettle trying to land on the table well i landed on the table but it didn't break so i landed on a flat back table that was high up in the air covered in thumbtacks it looked like a human pin cushion and it was uh that was quite a uh that was quite a bump and a lot of people were like how did your back not break and it's just it's 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 been a pleasure there's not a bump that I have yet refused to take, but, you know, you never know what comes up in the future. Uh, Sheba Queen's our guest here on 89.1 Kens FM. We've got about uh, two minutes here left with Sheba. So we can do this here so we don't forget. If our fans want to check out Sheba, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? I got all of the above, man. And all of them are going to be really easy. It's all at officialsheba.erp. You know, just that official Shiva. So Shiva is spelled S-H-E-E-V-A. So it's official Shiva. 
All right. And uh, we do appreciate uh, you taking time out of your schedule tonight. Uh, we only got a few minutes left here. Uh, when is uh, your next match uh, due? Do you know offhand? I do not know offhand the next time I will be actively competing in the ring. Um, I can tell you that pretty much any show you will see um, the grizzled one, the Ryan Davidson as uh, Miss, uh, you know, the the Miss Godmother of Wrestling Granny Holster <laughs> over there um, gets all excited for, which I don't blame her. I get excited for him too. Uh, any show that he will be at, I will be right by his side in his corner, as I should be, um, and cheering him I on. Giving so him I, grief. I miss giving him grief. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him extra just for you. I'm sure he just will definitely please, please do. Please do. Say, you know, <laughs> say, I just got to talk to your favorite person in the whole wide res- world of wrestling tonight. You know, hey, Icon, we need to get him on this. We need to get him on this show. Actually, what would be cool, what would be cool is to get them both together back on another upcoming episode in the future. Sheila, can you you hook us up with him? You got it. I'll I'll send you his contact info. I'll let him know what a joy it's been. And, and, you know, you guys can have uh, the grizzled brutality on here. And let him know that he'll get his own collector's card like you got. There we go. There you go. You you definitely had to like that. I mean, that was awesome, was it not? Oh yeah, no, that's that's that is absolute gold. I love it so much. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Shiva, you have been wonderful. Uh, I'm sorry I did not get to uh, hit the gotcha questions, but next time you're on, I will say those for the uh, for next time when you join us. All right. Sounds like a plan. Thank you guys so Thanks, much. Thanks, really Appreciate it. All right, Shiva. Shiva. Oh, and heal up, by the way. Yeah, Shiva Queen, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. What an awesome. Continued prayers, Shiva. What an awesome guest. Thank you, Shiva, for joining us. We appreciate it. You are awesome. We love you. All right, so we're just waiting for our, our next guest to uh, uh, come in. Uh, in the meantime, uh, uh, Christian, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, uh, you said you've been working on this movie for two years. That's right. Yeah, I... Uh, you know, so I studied biology and education, and the plan was originally to be a teacher, science teacher. But climbing with Legos is fun, right? <laughs> yeah, you could. That's that's maybe the short version. Uh, I did reach a point, you know, about two and a half years ago, where I realized I either wanted to. I was at a bit of an internal crossroads. You know, either I fully dive into my uh, into a teaching career and kind of set the animation aside as you know more of a part-time now and then hobby uh, or I really kind of lean into the animation and try to make something serious out of that and actually drill down on those skills all right um, it looks like our next guest is waiting we need to take a quick little commercial break we'll be right back after these messages so stick with us ladies and gentlemen the new blocks are here the new blocks are here Yes, for a limited time, you can get your very own 89.1 Ken's FM clock. For $25 donation, you can get a classic analog round-faced clock with the 89.1 Ken's FM logo on the front. Just go to our website, 
www.kensfm.com, and under the More Merch tab, you will find the clocks along with numerous other new merch you can order. Get yours now while supplies last. We have these in limited quantity, so order now at www.kensfm.com. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle. He knows the wicked ones. He knows the embalmers, and he knows all about chasing rabbits. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the greatest independent film director there is. His name is Stephen Morris. Hey, this is Stephen Anthony Morris. You're listening to Attitude Era Monday, live on 89.1 Kins FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, and the modern-day nightmare, Matthias. Hello. How are you? Steve? How's it going, everybody? How are you? Good to have you. Thank you for joining us. Excellent to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we got uh, Steve Mo- Stephen Morris as our guest here. We've got about uh, 28 minutes. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then uh, we'll do a roundtable. We have a special in-studio director with us as well. He's going to ask you a couple questions or two. So, uh, first off, before we do that, Stephen, if you want to give us a little background about yourself, then we'll have some fun. All righty, sounds good. Well, I'm an actor, writer, director, and producer from Indianapolis, Indiana. My first feature film, He Knows, recently released on several streaming platforms, such as Tubi, Amazon, and Apple TV. Uh, My family was also recently accepted into a film festival at Days of the Dead Indianapolis here in Indiana, uh, coming June 23rd through the 25th at their festival. So we got some exciting things coming. I've also got a few other projects that will be announced uh, later this year. That's awesome. And when you decided to get into the uh, director business, did you uh, have an idea of uh, how many different films you wanted to do, what kind of genre you wanted to get into, or was it always going to be one type? Well, you know, I I love a little bit of everything, and I feel like horror is kind of like my favorite just because it allows me to branch into a little bit of everything. I can do a little bit of comedy, a romance, a little action, and scary all-in-one movie of a horror as opposed to a comedy that just might not uh, translate as well overseas, you know. Uh, What might be funny to us for a comedy may not be for another country or culture. So horror just is something that translates all across the globe. So it's just a a good branching way into getting into other things. Well, you know, Stephen, that's true. we got uh, several people listening to this show. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Stephen Morris, I guess you're on 89.1 Kids FM. What we're going to do here, Stephen, we're going to have a, a do a little different. Uh, I'm, we're going to come back to me. I'm going to ask you the tougher questions after we do a roundtable. But first off, I want to introduce you to uh, our first uh, guest here. He's a director himself. He, uh, he has a new Lego film coming out uh, this Saturday, as a matter of fact. And uh, he's got a question for you. So go ahead, Christian. What do you got? Hey there, Stephen. This is Christian. Um, and I, one thing that I wonder about, you know, I was born and raised in North Dakota, and there's not exactly a film scene out here. Um, and it took me a while before I even, like, really took film seriously as something I could do with my time. Uh, I was curious, did you go to film school? It, what was your kind of journey uh, into filmmaking? And, uh, yeah, just love to hear a little bit about that. Oh, that's a good question. And uh, congrats on the Lego movie. Um, so... I went to film school out in North Hollywood at the Art Institute of, uh, well, North Hollywood, California, for digital filmmaking and video production. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't end up getting my degree. I came back due to some uh, family reasons. I ended up having some kids of my own and uh, wanted to come back and just spend time with my family. And uh, now that all my kids got back into school and, and I'm finally able to get on my own and start working more in film the past few years, so... 
Uh, Indiana doesn't really have, like, the biggest scene as well. But as you know, if you try hard enough, you can get people to tag along if you, uh, if you have a good vision, you know what I mean, or a good story that people would want to tell. So. But they do have IUPUI. I'm sorry. That's a college out. That's a college out there. IUPUI and IPF, uh, IPFW. Oh. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so back then, when I went to school, it was about 2009, 2010, and I really didn't find too many uh, programs out here in Indiana. So that's why I ended up going out uh, to the West Coast for my school. I'm curious. What were your? You know, I think it's the interesting thing about the film industry is there aren't really rules as to, you know as far as like what piece of paper you need to do this or that. But I'm curious, what were your biggest takeaways from film school? Were there things that you took from that that really helped shape um, your, I guess, skill set when you returned to it uh, years later? Or what, uh, what was the, you know, the goal that came from that experience? You know, uh, actually, that's a good one, too. Uh, so when I went to film school, I actually just thought, you know, I want to be an actor, but I'm going to study these other things just so I can better my craft as an actor. And then I kind of... I fell in love with writing a little bit when I was out there, and I didn't really knew, know that that's something I would be into. But, you know, we had a class project, and we all had to come up with ideas, and everybody liked mine, and we went forward with it. And it was just a fun little goofy uh, story of a guy having, like, a bad day, coming home to a misinterpreted situation where he walks in on his girlfriend with another man, but it's not really what he thinks. And he just takes off, assuming the worst. And it was just, like, the worst day ever type of story. And, um you know, we had a lot of fun little gags and stuff in it, and we had a lot of audio issues. So, like, when the project broke up towards the end, uh, everybody in the group had to edit their own version of that short film. So you got to see all the fun different ways how people would, like, layer audio and, like, all these other editing changes and transitions that you might not have thought of. So that was just really fun to do that, and it kind of, like, always, you know, reminded me that everybody kind of has their own perspective on how to tell a story. And you got to remember how to bring your own voice to any story that you do tell. So that's just something I always take with me is like, you know, uh, tell the story, but try to, you know, tell it in your voice. Uh, Stephen Waters, our guest here on 89.1 Kids FM. we got about uh, 23 minutes here with uh, Stephen. Uh, we're going to have Granny ask a uh, question, and we're going to go to our horror film resident genius, Matthias, here in just a second. Uh, Granny, what do you have for our guests? Go ahead. Stephen Morris, we have 22 minutes. Well, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. So with all the things that you do with the acting, the directing, producing, which is your most favorite and why? Hmm. That's a good one. Uh, so I think my my two most favorites, because they're a little bit of a tie, would be acting and writing, uh, just because I like being able to play all these different characters because I know myself I'm a little bit of a socially awkward type of guy but when I get to play these other characters I get to branch out and kind of be different other people and show people other sides of myself which is something you know as a, someone who might be considered antisocial a little bit you know what I mean uh, or introvert uh, it's good to be able to express yourself in that way sometimes and then as a writer I get to build these worlds and tell the type of stories that I like to tell so um, <clears throat> it's a super tie <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Steve Morris, oh, I guess, so here on 89.1 Kids FM, and uh, we got uh, a lot of time here with you, Steve. we got about uh, 21 minutes left. Uh, before I go to Matthias, uh, I'm just waiting for my quick little countdown here. i got to play a little legal thing here, and uh, then we'll be back right after these messages. So stick with us. We'll be right 
back after this. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZ-FM, Holly, Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And we are back here on 89.1 Ken's FM. We got about, uh, we got Stephen Morris as our guest here. We got about 21 minutes. I'm going to, I got some good questions I'm going to ask you, but before we do that, uh, I want to introduce you to Matthias. He is the modern nightmare. The reason why he is a nightmare is because he likes all that good horror stuff that you do, especially uh, your movie He Knows. So, Matthias, what do you got for a guest? Go ahead. Well, yes, I, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel and honorary member of the New World Order. Matthias, welcome on to my part of the program. Yes, as Icon said, I am a I am a very big fan of the horror genre. Um, so I guess my first question to be with you to to start off the conversation would be, as of course horror has many different subgenres, uh, which one for you would be your absolute favorite out of the multiple subgenres it has? That's a good question. Uh, so for me, I think with he knows I started out being a slasher film because slasher films are like my all time favorite. The who done it, the the believability that this just could be somebody you know that's doing something this horrible for some crazy reason. I just love those types of films. I feel like they scare me more than you know any of these supernatural type of stories that I feel like are a little bit out of like reality. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. Excellent. So, unfortunately, uh, I couldn't hear you in the very beginning of what you were saying, but I did hear that you mentioned it's slashers. So, slashers are my favorite uh, subgenre of horror films as well. Uh, what was the um, initial film that you watched, whether it be growing up or whenever it was, that got you into the uh, horror genre of film? You know, actually, I grew up watching a lot of horror movies, so it was kind of hard for me to pin it down at first, but the thing that really, like, drove me further into horror was uh, the Wes Craven film Scream back in 1996. Um, that was just a really big one for me because it was great at blending some of those genres in a way, giving you some comedy, some action, some love, and horror all in one film. And Wes Craven in general, he's just a really good inspiration for me as a filmmaker because I just love the type of stories he tells with, like, a Nightmare on Elm Street or Scream or any other thing that he worked on. It's just, you know, fantastic, in my opinion. So, Wow, okay, so we are actually a lot alike. My first ever horror film that I ever got to see was Scream uh, back when I was a young boy, and uh, it instantly became one of my favorite films of all time, and it still is one of my favorite films of all time. It is a classic horror film. It is the, the initial rebooting of the slasher films because, you know, you had the typical – Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw, all those kind of, of films that everybody got used to, but then all of a sudden you've got the, the screen film that came out, and it's the whodunit, and you don't know who it is behind the mask, and, and it, was, uh, it was definitely a uh, kick in the pants, as they call it, for the horror genre, and it was uh, and it innovated slashers again and brought them back uh, for a lot of fans, and so, yeah, we do have a lot in common there. Um, now I've got to ask, is there a film, and I do this with every uh, horror person that comes on the show, and I, I really enjoy getting to talk to a new person, getting their, their mindset on things, but uh, is there a film out there 
that even uh, to this day that you've gotten to watch? Um, is there a film that you have seen that will always get to you, uh, that will always make you cringe or scream or jump or anything like that? And you can't say appearing on the show because that would be too easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. So for me, I think it would definitely be The Exorcist. Uh, just something about seeing that at such a young age has always stuck with me. And even to this day, if I watch The Exorcist, like the original Exorcist film, like I can't be in the house alone with the lights off. I'll just be like, nope, I'm going to bed. <laughs> you're not, <laughs> you're you're not the only one. Okay, cool. Because uh, I was going to mention the normally it's no film has ever you know, got me to jump or to scream or anything like that, uh, quote-unquote. We've been talking about scream. Um, but there is one thing that will always get to me to get me to cringe. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the slasher film Hatchet, the series of the Hatchet oh, yeah, series. Okay, so the very first film, I don't know if you remember the second kill in that film. I don't know if you're very familiar with it, but it was the uh, older couple when they first mm-hmm. met Victor Crowley. And the when the ripping. old woman, yep, yep, exactly that. I can, I, I, the camera work in there is unbelievable. And when she runs and Victor grabs her and puts his hands in her mouth and, you know, just, you could see the cheeks ripping and, and then and the effect is just, it, it just makes me cringe. Cause then, cause every so often my jaw will lock up and I get like locked jaw for a second. I got to put it back in place or whatever. So every time I think of that, I could just I could just see my cheeks ripping as it just yeah it just it always gets me to cringe, <laughs> but it, it won't ever like scare me. But um, and then uh, going on to you you mentioned that Wes Craven was one of your favorite directors. Now for me, one of my favorite um, effects artists of all time would be uh, Tom Savini. Who would be one of your uh, main influencers for like effects and stuff like that? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say Tom Savini is a good one. Another one I would say is V. Neal. Uh, I think I'm saying her name correctly. Uh, she's done a lot of things like uh, Beetlejuice, and uh, God, her list is so huge, I can't really think of too many off the top of my head. But between her and Tom Savini, for sure, like they just put out some of the most iconic stuff. Yeah, and before I go, to, before I go back to Icon here, um, the thing I had to mention with him is, the one thing I love about Tom Savini's work, uh, my one of my favorite films of his work was uh, Day of the Dead. I heard you kind of mention Day of the Dead, and it made me think of the uh, the zombie film, of course, when the cow guts and uh, all that got rotten out of the freezer, and they had to <laughs> put the guts down for Captain Rhodes' death, and, you know, he's trying not to, you know, puke on camera while he's having to smell all that, and... Just the, the effects that Tom Savini came up with is just incredible. It's creative, and just horror in general is one of my favorite, uh, will always be my favorite uh, genre of film. Absolutely. Another fun story like that was like the Willy Wonka set and how they used actual chocolate, and it all spoiled, so the set was like really, you know, stinky or whatever. And like, I don't know, that movie just kind of terrified me as a kid as well for some reason, but... Obviously, I see it's not so scary now, but, you know, that's just some random movie that was just like, you know what, that really got to me for some reason as a kid. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, the, re- the remake of that movie was more scary than the first one. <laughs> yeah, they, they chose an artistic approach with that one. 
<laughs> right. Uh, Stephen Morris, uh, Stephen Morris is our guest here. We've got uh, about 13 minutes here. I'm going to ask you a few uh, uh, cool questions here. Uh, first off, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, we get most of our information here from imdb.com. Our producer does. So if any information is wrong, uh, blame uh, him and IMDb. But uh, one thing mm-hmm. that one of our fans wanted me to ask you about uh, was uh, I guess they were looking at they they saw you doing something with the Operation game or something. You were could you tell us about that? What was going on with that? Oh, that was a it was a fun little local short film that we were working on. It was actually I believe it was for a church or something like that. I can't really recall who was making that film out here in Indiana, but it was called Mind Games, and it was like a serious scene of like these doctors in the middle of an operation, and like it's like super intense, like an ER moment or like Grey's Anatomy, and then it cuts out and you see that we're just playing the board game operation in an actual surgery room. Uh, that was really fun. We actually got to shoot at like a little hospital here in Indiana and stuff. So That is cool. And uh, you've got a couple movies coming out, and then we're going to talk about the, the movie that we're here to talk about. Uh, you have uh, Bad Apples and uh, Deep within the caves coming out is that or are those uh currently working or almost finished or where are you at with those uh so both of those are currently in pre-production uh bad apples is going to be put off for just a little while until i get the funding right for that one but we've got quite a few uh, really cool people attached to that uh, we got lisa wilcox from a nightmare on elm street part four and five she played alice in those films in this film she'd be playing the mother of a character named alice and the young girl is a young self-absorbed uh, sociopath that begins the unravel once her foster parents adopt yet another kid to steal her spotlight. So it's a lot like The Good Son or Orphan. It's kind of a kid slasher film, but it's more of a psychological thriller in a way like The Good Son. Uh, so that one's pretty fun. And then Deep Within the Caves is another one that I was hired on to do. Uh, we'll start filming that one starting next spring. So there's a lot of fun things in the works. Now, are you going to be looking for uh, extras in these films? Because I'll tell you what, if you give me a position uh, in the film, I'd be willing to come down. Uh, you wouldn't have to pay me until the movie makes a million bucks. But, I mean, I'd come <laughs> down, I'd carry your bags, uh, I'd, uh, I'd go get your cappuccino as long as you uh, give me a place to sleep on the set and maybe throw me some hot dogs every now and then. I'd come work for you for free. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh as of now, I know we'll definitely need a lot of help on set of PAs or extras and all these other different positions that people might like to fill. Uh, so they can always follow Deep Within the Caves Facebook group on Facebook, and we'll have a bunch of postings for casting calls and crew and such on there. So I'd love to have anybody out that can come out when we get around to shooting that. And Bad Apples will be another one as well that will have a lot of fun extra moments and stuff as well because it will be some scenes that will be shot at a school. So we'll have, you know, people of all ages, all races, all genders, anything can fit into these scenes because they will just be, you know, all-inclusive and fun for all. (laughs) Well, would you mind if I brought my friends with me? Well, you know, like I said, uh, you're welcome to apply when the time comes, and I'm sure we'll need you. (laughs) <laughs> so anybody that uh, sends in their information and everything follows through, we'll be reaching back out to. So. All right, sounds good. We'll definitely do that. Now, uh, uh, what is uh, I want to ask you about He Knows. Now, is that your biggest film that you've done to date? Uh, I don't know if I would say that per se, just because it's actually my first film as actor, writer, director, producer. I've done other films as like producing or acting on and stuff uh, that you might be able to say that are slightly bigger. Uh, I was like an extra in 
which, you know, being a background extra isn't like something you really list on IMDb, but I was in Jungle Cruise. I was like a 1920s soldier on a bus. There's like a scene where Emily Blunt's character is like falling onto this double-decker bus filled with like 1920s British soldiers. And I'm like one of the ones on the bottom of the bus. You can kind of see me in a scene. So that was kind of fun. And then there was another movie called Hellfest that was a background extra in, which is a pretty big film. Had a lot of people in it, such as uh, the original Candyman himself. He had a nice little cameo in that film. Um, and then I was in, you know, Wicked Ones. I feel like that was a pretty huge film. And uh, Phantom Fun World's another one that's premiering here really soon, made by Tori Jones down in Kentucky. I was a little cameo in that one. And uh, I might have a cameo in his next film as well. So these are some pretty big films as well, I would say. But for me, my first film, I feel like I did a pretty solid job, though. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, uh, in the movie, uh, he knows. Uh, we have a, a friend of the show that was in that movie, and uh, she actually told us about it. And she told me uh, to reach out to you and said that you'd be a fantastic interview. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we only have about eight minutes left with you, but uh, you know Julie Ann Prescott? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Julie had a pretty fun character in the film, and she was, you know, somebody we were hoping to explore more films with later on down the line when we started getting our productions up and going finally. Now, what uh, what is your goal now with uh, all the movies that uh, you're working on now? Uh, you mentioned that uh, Bad Apples and uh, Deep Within the Caves is going to be is is kind of on hold for now. Uh, if you had to, if you had, if you were put on the spot like I'm doing right now, and if you had to give a time frame of when you want to have those movies released, what what month or date would you say? Hmm. So deep within the caves, being hired onto that one, I don't have as much stay over. I'm guessing they would want to do it within 12 to 16 months after filming. So if they're aiming for next spring, I could say, you know, the following summer would be a good release window for them, maybe slightly sooner. Uh, Bad Apples, um, whenever I get to start shooting that one, we're looking at putting some scenes together later in this year and hopefully carrying over into possibly next the end of next summer, if possible, and that would probably be another year of production. So I'm guessing a good, <laughs> uh, yeah, a good year and a half, two years before any of these actually get to come out, unfortunately, you know, but we are independent films. We don't really have the gigantic budgets that, you know, a lot of studios may have. So it's just a few guys on a crew and girls just helping do whatever they can, you know what I mean? Uh, just collaborating and uh, chasing our dreams, I suppose. <laughs> So now, with that being said, and you mentioned that uh, you know you have a lot of different roles, you're gonna need a lot of different help. Are, are you gonna need help with uh, not only actors and actresses, but you're gonna need help on set, like running cameras, lighting, all this stuff. You need all these. You mm -hmm. need all. You need this, uh, a big support group, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know with uh, Deep Within the Caves, they've already got a lot of their crew pretty much stacking up already, but they're gonna be adding some more closer to the dates. And then for me, I'll have a lot of roles available because I haven't really started hiring everybody just yet. I'm trying to do the script breakdown and schedule and everything, make sure everybody can work with the dates, and then we'll move forward with production and stuff for Bad Apples. So I know a lot of people are pretty excited about that one, so I want to try to hurry up and get that one out within the next year or two. And if I'm not mistaken, you're also oh. going to be doing a uh, like a TV show or working with a TV show. Uh, uh, what is it, uh, Paragenics? So that was a local 
a TV project. It was, uh, I, I guess they ended up turning it into a TV series. A bit, uh, at one point in time, it was going to be like a short film, and then they just kept adding to it. But I helped write a few episodes on that, and then I helped direct part of the first episode. And I was a small little actor cameo in that. But, yeah, that was uh, something that was made here in Indianapolis, Indiana. It was a fun little project. Now, when you re- release your films, do you uh, do you always want to go for the uh, do, you, do, you, do you just want to go like straight to like a like a Blu-ray? Uh, do you want to have like a big movie premiere, or do you like like Netflix or any uh, Hulu? All those. It, what what is what is your main goal when you you come up with a film idea? You start making it, put it out. What is the main goal? Where you want it to be distributed? Mm, so I always I'm a big fan of physical media, so Blu-rays are always something that I'm gonna have, you know, up my sleeve. Uh, but I, I do love the the idea of having everybody in like one big room and their experience in the film for the first time together with the cast and crew. So like, big screenings are like huge for me. I love doing things like that. And then uh, streaming. Uh, currently, I haven't really found any distribution deals that have uh, I thought would be, you know. Uh, in my favor, so I've been using something called Film Hub, which kind of lets me do a little bit of my own self-distribution, and then I have my website as well, which you know I'm able to sell physical media and merchandise through that. Well, with that being said, then if our fans want to check you out, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? Yeah, so you can find me on Stephen Anthony Morris. I also have a page, Morris Better Pictures. You can find Morris Better Pictures on YouTube and I do believe Instagram. I don't really use that one too much. I'm more of a Facebook type of guy because I like the the direct interaction I get with uh, people on Facebook. It feels a little more authentic for me than, say, Instagram or Twitter. And, you know, you have a lot of of different fields under your belt, whether it be actor, writer, director. If you had to choose, if you had to put them in order, what would you say would be your top, your middle – and the third? Mm. Yeah, so I would say acting, writing, directing, producing, probably in that order based off of uh, how fun they are. <laughs> producing is one of those uh, ones where it's kind of like a little harder. You got you to gotta do the math. You got to do the scheduling. You got to have some of the harder conversations about, uh, you know, securing locations or cast and crew, things like that. So, Producing, it's a lot more rewarding, I'd say, because when you accomplish something, you're like, wow, I I did the impossible. Uh, Whereas, like, acting and everything, it's usually just fun throughout the process. And then when you get to see, like, the final product, you're like, that was fun, too. You know what I mean? But, like, producing is just, it's stress throughout the whole production and then fun at the end. (laughs) You know? That's awesome. And I'll understand if you don't want to answer this question, but, you know, all directors and writers and actors, they always have their next project ready to go, like an idea up in their head, or they started writing down some ideas. Without giving away too much, how many more ideas do you have ready to go after these two projects are completed? (laughs) So I've always told people that once I made a first feature film, because I talked about it for a good decade, I was like, once I do, I'm going to hit the ground running. And all these years, I've just been writing and writing and just kind of keeping stuff to myself. So I have quite a few projects lined up that I want to do, most of them being horror feature films. And uh, just to, like, talk a little bit about something I might have, you know, that I'm writing for after Bad Apples, um, most of it's written for the first draft. But it's, it's essentially a little bit more of a supernatural creature-type feature where it's like a D&D-type goddess, and uh, 
she's basically bleeding into our realm and turning people into these like parasitic type zombies that are a little bit like the last of us mashed up with, uh, I would say crimson heads from resident evil. If you guys know anything about those games, um, but yeah, the, the creatures are going to be fun designed for that. But that's just like one of the many fun concepts that I've got lined up that I'm wanting to do. But yeah, we definitely have a lot of fun ideas to do once we start, you know, rolling out them for production. But it's all about getting up that money and stuff because, you know, my first film, He Knows, we raised about 40% on crowdfunding and I put the rest of it out of pocket, you know, just working multiple part-time jobs, donating plasma, doing whatever I could, putting, you know, literal blood, sweat, and, t- and tears into making the film possible. So I, I plan on doing that with everything I do going forward, but hopefully one day it will be a little bit easier on me financially. So, you know. And, uh, and any time, any, look, anytime you need someone to come or where you don't have to pay them a lot, you have my number. I want to come work for you. Uh, Stephen Morris is our guest here. we got about five seconds. We want to thank you uh, for being with us tonight. You have been so awesome, sir. And uh, if we haven't scared you away too much, we'd love to have you back on with us again. Thanks so much. It's been a blast. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen Morris, ladies and gentlemen, that was an awesome interview. It looks like our next guest is waiting the wings. So uh, we will be back after these messages from our next sponsor. So stick around. After these words, we'll be right back. So, if your spring and summer projects include some concrete work, Elevated Concrete can help. They can be reached at 701-866-9018 or at Elevated Concrete on Facebook. Their concrete work includes driveways, sidewalks, walkways, approaches, garage floors, patios, and shed pads. Plus, they offer decorative or stamped concrete as well. And all estimates are free. They are ready right now for any concrete project you have. That's Elevated Concrete at 701-866-9018. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, he is our next guest. He is the man. He is the legend. He's going to tell us about revenge, the butcher, and he's going to call us about, talk about uh, uh, a lot of other good stuff that he's done. And I cannot wait to talk to our big man. He is Michael. What's up, man? Hey, this is Michael Mutsatos, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Monday live on 89.1. Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, and the modern nightmare, Matthias. Hey, Michael, how are you? Thanks for joining us tonight. How you been, man? How are you? Well, you know, I tell you what, it's it's taken seven months to get this done, but you're here with us. Thank you. Welcome aboard. I'm here with you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to call you Michael because I don't want to butcher your last name, if that's okay. No pun intended. The butcher. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. You, You picked up on that. Uh, now, yeah, uh, no, you, you, Mike, Michael was cool. Michael was cool. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, you. Uh, well, I was kind of hoping you'd pick up on the butcher thing there. Uh, you were the producer on that film in 2019, uh, but that was not your first big event, correct? Um, well, I wasn't just the the producer. I wrote it, directed it, and I star in it. So you um, you had to uh, wear a lot of hats for this film. I had to wear a lot of hats for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, prior to that, though, I did about seven or eight movies. Um, but 
they were kind of like my film school in a way. Um, I was always on the other side of the camera as an actor, um, New York or, or, you know, L.A., wherever. And uh, about that time period was probably about maybe 10, 12 years ago. So um, I was just getting my feet wet as a writer. And I did these, you know, feature films. But, you know, when you want to put something out to the public or you want to put something out to festivals, you only get pretty much like a first time, you know, a chance to make something good. So I didn't think that those films were ready um, until 2019 when I did, uh, when The Butcher came out. And then I slowly started uh, sending it out to festivals and then it was started winning. <laughs> and I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> These things, you know, normally don't happen to me in my life. I'm not, I'm not the guy that, you know, things just, you know, fall into place. I've always had to struggle um, for a lot of things. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, The Butcher won 65 uh, festival awards uh, domestically as well as internationally. So uh, they love me overseas as well. So um, that, was, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool to do that. So I, I guess you could say you butchered the competition? I butchered the film festivals. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have Michael's our guest here on 89.1 Kids FM. We've got about 27 minutes. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions, and then uh, we have a, a special director uh, in studio here with us. going to ask you a couple questions, and we'll do a roundtable, and then we'll come back to me and I'll ask you a couple of questions. But uh, another uh, film that I was kind of curious about uh, that um, – uh, you you like to have movies with the word ravage. Uh, is is this a is this a trilogy or is this just a, a a word that you just enjoy so much? No, no, no. Um, ravage is is a trilogy. Um, I took a break after we did the second one because I'm doing something else. I didn't want to continue to stay in that world. I wanted to show the people that I can do something else. So I'm taking uh, a little bit of a break before I do um, part three. Um, Ravage um, had started out basically as a small short during the pandemic. And it was just going to be one guy, a friend of mine, and me, and we were just going to, you know, go for it. Um, Long story short, we had some problems, and I fired him. Um, A good friend of mine, Phil Herman, uh, sometimes produces some of my things, and he gave me the advice of doing it as a feature film. So just right about when COVID just was breaking um, away. You know, we weren't in that pandemic thing. Um, I went out there with a bunch of people. We did Ravage. And then the second one, although it does have a couple of the same characters, um, is a standalone film basically in itself. Um, This, I made the uh, COVID-19 into the CV5 virus. And in the second one, it's women that were pregnant gave birth to um, mutations and zombies and, and creatures. Um, you know, there was uh, World War Three broke out in the year 20, 2023, actually, where we're in now. Ravage and Ravage Nation. Ravage takes place in 2032. And Ravage Nation takes place in the year 2036. So I can That's create awesome. all these, you know, all these worlds and everything. And we basically filmed um, in, in mountains, rivers, um, all, all outdoor, uh, Suites of Falls, Escondido Falls in Malibu. And, yeah, that, that was pretty much just going out there and having, you know, having fun doing it. 
go get being there at four or five o'clock in the morning and you know, you start and you'll see a couple of people here and there and nobody really bothers you. You just go out there, you know, and you do your thing. But um yeah, uh to go back to answer your uh your question, yeah, so after I did that, it was like basically, you know, ravaged, like the CV5 virus, COVID ravaged, you know, the world, the nation, things like that. Um, I do like doing films with one or uh, two word titles. Uh, this new Christmas anthology I'm working on, I changed it uh, from a sleigh to remember to uh, Santa sleighs. I kind of like that better. It's a four chapter trilogy that we're going to start next week and there are four different stories kind of like a tales of the crypt kind of thing and it involves santa and this guy who plays santa is throughout the entire you know all four chapters if you will that's awesome uh michael's our guest here we uh run 89.1 kids and we got about uh, 20 minutes uh, i'm going to introduce you to uh, our first uh co-host he's a guest co-host he's got a movie coming out uh, here at the Fargo Theater on Saturday, it's a cool Lego movie, and uh, he's going to tell us about the title. I'm sure he's got a question for you. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, Hi, Michael. Good to see you. I uh, I come from a realm of stop motion animation almost exclusively, so it's uh, um, oh, nice. I'm very. The one thing I'm sure we have in common is we wear a lot of hats, uh, right. and I was kind of curious about um, you know even with what I do, there are certain things that I'm not good at. I'm a I'm a god awful actor, voice actor. Can't even can't do much for that. So I make sure I have you know a team of people to do that. Um, but I'm curious, uh, what? In, I don't know. Maybe this is a complex question, but how do you go no, about go building your team, finding um, you know, cultivating a cast and crew? Um, do you work with a lot of people you know, or is that just something you build up over time? Or uh, I guess Actually, any yeah, I mean, any insights on that? That's a that's a really great question. Um, I'm glad you asked it. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Um, me, myself, uh, as the writer, the director, you know, I edit, I score. So I know you have to know exactly how to do everything. Because sometimes if you're hiring a DP and they can't make it for some reason, well, I'm not going to have these other people waiting and somebody's coming in from Vegas to shoot like they're going to do next week and my DP can't be there, well, I'm going to film it. I love DPing. I did that with The Butcher, um, except, you know, my scenes, because I'm starring in it, I had somebody else do it. But your point, um, it is very difficult trying to get a team. But once you do that, it falls into place. People come into your life for a reason. I use the same people in Ravage and Ravage Nation. A couple of guys started out in Ravage as extras in a big fight scene. And the one guy, you know, is one of my producers now, and he's, you know, also is doing the DP work. So I'm very loyal to people, and these guys are going to be on my third film with me right now, my fourth film, rather, but three for them. And, uh, you know, you, you are correct. I mean, it is very difficult to get a great team. Um, I've had to let people go, uh, actors here and there. You know, and uh, for whatever reason, it just didn't, we didn't gel, it didn't work out. But uh, I am lucky with the actors uh, that I have right now and the team that I have behind me. So I hope that answered your question. Absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, Michael's our guest here. Uh, 
before we go to our resident horror film genius, uh, Matthias, uh, I want to introduce you to Granny Hulkster now. She loves to bake cookies for our guests. And uh, Granny, what do you oh. have for our what do you have for our guests? Go ahead. Well, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on here tonight with us. What is your favorite thing that you enjoy doing in your, you know, career that you do? I mean, what do you enjoy about it? Um, in, as far as filmmaking is concerned? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the genre that I love the most is horror. Um, you know, horror, thriller, drama. There's a lot of films that are out there that, you know, like, say, any type of a Scorsese movie or De Palma or, you know, there's murder involved, there's killings involved. I mean, they wouldn't fall under a horror genre, but that's, that's, that's my vibe. I won't do a rom-com. I, I'm not into comedies and things like that. I, I, I am so passionate about filmmaking uh, that if I'm not filming, I start climbing the walls. Oh, wow. And uh, before we're done here, Michael, I'm going to ask you for yeah. a. Uh, I'm going to be trying to ask you for a job because you mentioned that uh, extras have turned into your producers and stuff. And I'm, uh, I'm going to ask you uh, for a job before we're done here. But before we do that, uh, Matthias, I know that uh, you like uh, those horror films that deal with Santa Claus. So what do you have for our guest, Michael? Go ahead. <laughs> Well, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, soon to be a BZW World Tag Team Champion and EWI Epic Champion and also BZW World Champion. An honorary member of the New World Order, Matthias here. Welcome on to my part of the program. Yes, as hey. Icon did as Icon did say, I'm a, I'm a very big fan of horror films. It's been my favorite genre of film ever since I was a young kid. Uh, one of my favorite films that I got to ever see for the first time was a 1996 Wes Craven Scream. Uh, it was one of my nice. favorites, and it, and it, uh, and it definitely uh, vibed my, my love for the horror genre and the slasher films, which became my favorite subgenre. Um, right. What was what is one of, what is one of your favorite uh, subgenre of horror films? Um, you know, I mean, I go back to the days of uh, you know, obviously uh, Halloween '78, you know, stuff like that. Um, before that, there were you know other people. De Palmer actually started uh, doing a lot of things early on in his career. Um, I do like I do like slashers. Um, that's really good. I like I like uh, serial killers, uh, maniacs, because you're delving into somebody's mind. I don't. I'm not into like paranormal things. I don't believe in ghosts. Um, you know, I'm sure they're out there, but I just you know I truly hate uh, found footage. It's all baloney. Uh, you know, to begin with, but especially you know uh, since we found out the the Blair Witch Project was all you know phony to begin with. Um, and everything yeah. since then, you know, is not quite that good. So, um, okay. but yeah, I mean, you know, um, I like dealing with the psychotic, the Norman Bates behind the thing. Um, what makes this serial, this particular serial killer, you know, tick? Why did, why did they snap? 
and I like it when somebody tries to be original and not always blame the mother or the father and just come up with something that, you know, he's not a mama's boy and he's not a this and he's not a that. Um, you know, so if, it, if it's original and creative enough, um, then, you know, I'll buy it, um, you know, as a fan. Absolutely. Um, you know, but, uh, un- yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, there's not, en- there's not enough of those, not enough of originality. Okay, yeah, I, I completely agree with you 100%. Uh, my next question for you would be, is there a film yeah. out there that you saw growing up um, that will always either get you to cringe or maybe jump or maybe even get a little bit of a scream out of you? Um, probably, you know, I was 13 when I saw The Exorcist. Um, you know, so stuff like that. Um, I really hate... Uh, a, a friend of mine, she starred in the original um, The Hills Have Eyes. And I just can't, oh, wow. I can't get into those movies because, you know, there's a rape. Oh, I spit on your grave and stuff like that. I, I, I cringe when there's a rape scene involved. Um, that's, yeah. You know, that's not, you know, that's just not my thing. I tur- I, I'm like, forget about it. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, probably... There's not too many, I mean, like today, I saw Hereditary in the theater eight times. I thought it was fascinating. I love Midsummer. I just hate his new movie with a passion, Bo is Afraid. Um, but I like uh, Ari Aster. I think he's a great up-and-coming kind of guy. Um, I love movies that put you on the, intensely put you on the edge of your seat. I don't know about really scared you know, that kind of thing, shock value or something like that. I, unless it, you know, I haven't seen it. I've seen people in audiences do that. And to me, I'm just like sitting there laughing. Um, maybe I yeah. became jaded once I know, you know, about the film and about filmmaking and stuff like that. It could have been different when I had no clue and I was just an actor on the other side. And like most people, they think you are filming a movie from the beginning to the end, you know, a lot of people don't realize you could shoot the beginning first or the middle first or whatever, and then you're putting it all together. Um, you know, so I've probably got, you know, taken out of that kind of a zone. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, 8 millimeter, I, I just, I could watch it once, I can't watch it again. There's just certain films for me that do creep me out a little bit, and I won't watch them again. Okay. Yeah, the, there hasn't been a film yet that has got me to jump or scream or make me really feel uncomfortable. But right. I'm not sure if you're fami- I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, Hatchet series at all, uh, with Victor Crowley's the main villain. Okay, so the yeah, very I... first film. So the very first film, um, and the second kill in that film, when the older woman gets her jaw ripped in half when you see the cheeks rip and stuff like that, the effect of that always will make me cringe because when my jaw yeah. locks up and I have to, like, yeah. put it back into place, it just, ah, that just it just gives yeah. me a little bit of a cringe. Um, but yeah. I was going to say, you and our previous guests actually have that in common with the uh, with the Exorcist film. Um, but then uh, my, my last question to you that I can really think of at the moment, I'll yeah. probably come up with one here while we're talking, is uh, cool. is there a certain a certain series of film whether it be horror, whatever the case may be, like any of the horror film series you can think of that should have already died 
instead of commit uh, continuing making films. Because honestly, for me, Halloween could have died a long time ago. Um, <laughs> Halloween ends and stuff like that really bothered right. me. Did not like it. I hated it. Uh, Friday the 13th, uh, the 2009 reboot wasn't that bad in my opinion. But, you know, right. I, think it, I think if they would have done X, and then did Freddy versus J- uh, Jason X, and then Freddy versus Jason, boom, could have been done there. Um, yeah. With, um, uh, what was I going to say, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, hated the 2010 reboot because right. Freddy Krueger is Robert England, nobody else for me. Um, otherwise, exactly. those other kind of films, like I said, a lot of them could have died off instead <laughs> of continuing yeah. doing cash grabs. What's your opinion? Right. Um, I do agree with you on the cash grab situation, although I did love the um, – I did dig the new Halloween stuff uh, from 2018 all the way to Halloween ends. I did like that, Halloween kills, Halloween ends. I did like those. Um, I Yes, uh, things should die. Uh, I particularly think that with the screen series, um, you know, it's like these kids are being stabbed left and right, stomach, shoulder – then they come out at the end with like a little band aid on, and then they're going to be moved into the you know into the next one. Um, yeah, yeah, I understand what the studios are trying to do. Exactly, it's a cash grab for the next generation. Um, Hollywood does not have a single original thought. Uh, there's lots nope. of people that I know that are struggling that have great, wonderful, fresh stories and scripts. I have a friend of mine that's a script reader and, you know, they're like 20 something. I'm older than that, but you know, they're 20 something. And if it doesn't fit their critique, they throw it into the trash. Um, That's what the studios are dealing with. Now you don't have big, uh, you have kids that are in the studio, 20, 25, 30 to me, you know, that's a kid. And that's what's really Oh yeah, let's do that, and let you know. Let's do that. We can market it and and splash it on a lunchbox and do a new uh, action figure with it. Um, yeah, I, I agree with the cash grabs. Things could have died, and you know, there's there's really a few remakes that I like. I usually hate a lot of them, and the really big thing that I have that gnaws at me is schlock. Um, you know, junk junk films. I've I've seen a lot lately, and it's like you know, there's like 20 Amityville movies. Okay, I wrote an Amityville script called Amityville Legend. Um, I was going to do it three years ago, but mine takes place a year before the original uh, things that happened. So I'm not just you know, it's not Halloween Sharknado. I mean, uh, um, Amityville Sharknado. Or, you know, Amityville this and Amityville that. There's a toilet, Amityville, the Amityville curse, Amityville clown. I mean, people are just doing it because it's public domain. And these are, a lot of them are garbage, garbage films. They're shot like like you took your brother and your sister, your mom and your dad, you went into your garage and let's go make a movie. You know, I mean, if you're going to do something like that and put the time and the effort into it, and the money into it, I mean, at least try to have a little pride, you know, and do it Absolutely. Now, I, I fully agree with you. Michael's our guest here. We, uh, we got about uh, seven minutes here left with Michael. Uh, now, I was going to ask you, Michael, because our, our, our yeah. fans are going in uh, 
we have a couple of wise acres in the chat room. You know, you mentioned uh, you had hired a guy and fired him. Uh, someone had asked if I was the guy that you hired and fired. That is not the case. Correct? I, I'm sorry. Could you re- I, I, you were breaking up a little bit. Could you say that again? Well, yeah, there's a guy in the chat room. He's kind of a wise acre. Yeah, you had mentioned there was a guy that you hired and fired, and uh, someone mentioned that right. that guy was me, but that's not the case. No, not you. No, 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 no. Not at all. Because I, I know. I know I know you're waiting to hire me, and that's what I was going to talk about. Uh, you know, your uh, Christmas trilogy, I would love uh, to come work for you, uh, and I'll give you the same offer I've given every single director that's been in this, uh, been in this, on this show. If you need someone to come work for free, they'll carry your bags, go to the coffee shop and get your cappuccino. All you got to do is give me a place <laughs> to sleep on the set, maybe throw me a couple hot dogs, uh, and then you can pay me when the film makes money. I'll come work for you. Right. Yeah, man, that sounds like a that sounds like a great idea. Absolutely. Love to love and to bring I, you aboard. And uh, could I bring my friends? Why not? All right. The only Why thing not? is, you're probably gonna have to you're probably gonna have to pay them, but you're not gonna have to pay me. Huh? But anyway, uh, we have uh, Michael's our guest here. Now you got uh, a few uh, other cool projects uh, coming up that we're going to yeah. talk about uh, in the next uh, five minutes. Uh, but uh, one of the uh, uh, you have uh, a movie called uh, Reggie coming out, uh, Ravage Nation, World Domination. Uh, right. I believe it's Carnivore, uh, Carnivore Contaminate, yeah. and right. I Slay on yep. Christmas. Uh, what what is the uh, how they, how long till we can see those? Expect to see those come out. Well, um, as I Slay on Christmas is is not mine. I'm a producer. It's Phil Herman's yep. movie. I'm also coincidentally doing a Christmas movie, uh, Santa Slays. Um, so, you know, I'm a producer of his. Um, he's been a producer on a couple of my films, Ravage and Ravage Nation. Um, the other movies, I, I wrote like four, four or five scripts, uh, full-length features, 80, 90, maybe 100 pages each. And um, it basically just comes down to what I think right now I can film uh, funds. Um, I hate Indiegogo. I was on there. Really, it really stinks. Um, I, where I see other people getting fifty, a hundred thousand dollars, I wasn't getting anything. I do have a lot of people that were friends of mine that have donated and given me money, and of course they get the producer's credit, executive producer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that that I hate crowdfunding. I really do. Um, Eighty to ninety percent of the movies I make come out of my pocket. Um, I did all those movies as a waiter. Uh, right now, the place I work at Margiano's at the Grove uh, closed in October. Uh, I was there for like eleven years, and uh, you know, so I'm basically you know been looking for jobs, did odd jobs here and there and whatnot. But, um, yeah, with all the films I did, I mean, it's like with this one, I, you know, you have yard sales. I have, I have tons of memorabilia that I had signed over the, the – I did that for like 10 years collecting autographs. I have two guys that have been buying my posters and 8x10s and stuff like that. So, you know, like, like a lot of guys in the independent world, you scrimp and, and save and, you know, okay, I, I can't afford the cream cheese on my bagel today. But, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it's cool because that also makes you hungry 
and it also keeps you, you know, makes you humble. You appreciate things more, you know, by by earning it. You know, and that that's from pretty much from the world where I come from. Um, that you know, I do have, like I said, fantastic people that have always had my back. Um, but when you're out there struggling, and you don't have a studio giving you, you know, whatever, ten million, twenty million, two million, whatever it is, um, you know, I mean, my movie Ravage Nation, uh, we filmed. It was took a year and a half to make that one. Ravage took a year. Uh, we all got together. We can only film whenever we can. Uh, p- obviously, people's schedules. They can't take a work, take off of work. I'm not paying them, you know, a fifty thousand dollar salary or something like that. But it's cool. It's 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 a nice tight knit family, and like I said, I'm loyal to those people, and they're loyal to me, and I keep using them over and over and over again. Now, you know, as an actor, you have to act. You know what I'm saying? You may not fit every single thing that I do, but um, you know, for me, the movie comes first. We're friends, but I'll keep you as a producer. I'll keep you as this. I'll keep you as that. You know, if you're not right for a role, you're not right for a role. You know, that, that's first awesome. and foremost. Yeah. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Michael, I, you can ask anybody. I am the epitome of loyalty. Uh, we we got about uh, 60 seconds here left with you, Michael. If our fans want to check right. you out and see you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok, what do you got? Yeah, um, all the films are on Facebook uh, as well as Instagram. Um, so, like, if you type in Ravage or Ravage Nation or The Butcher, it will be um, on Facebook. And then, you know, me personally on uh, my Instagram is real Michael M 17 There's uh, Ravage Lowercase Nation. Um, you know, I have uh, Instagram accounts for all the other films as well, too that are still in, uh, you know, the pre-production stage. So, um, yeah, if you want to follow me, just RealMichaelM17 on Instagram, and all the films just go into your search engine on Facebook, and there'll be trailers and photos of who's in the movie and stuff like that. So, um, you know, if that, that's great. Follow me. All right, Michael. All right, thank you, buddy, for joining us. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I'll be in contact with you this week. I do have a few other things I want to go over with you, but you have been awesome, sir. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. We love you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate it. All right, so uh, now let's go back to our our resident director here. What is the name of the film? So it's a bit mouthy, but uh, the name of the film is The Void War. Gray Horizons, and it's titled that because the, the kind of the name of the trilogy is the Void War. That's the Void War universe. But this particular film, uh, as a single film, is Gray Horizons. Now you said you've been working on this for two years. Yep, two and a half. And, and all, all in your parents' basement. Nope. Uh, so there was one summer where my parents they lived in our childhood home, and they've since moved out. But uh, where there was kind of an overlap. I lived in the same town as them, and I realized it was a great opportunity to shoot these massive battlefield scenes um, because, you know, I, I live in an apartment. I didn't have that much space, so I shot that in their basement that summer, uh, and then since then everything else has been shot out of apartment bedrooms. So um, that's it's uh, the nice thing about stop motion. You can do it in a very enclosed space. You know, and that collector's card I made from you kind of showed you a little studio there. 
Yes, yeah, that was, so that was, I believe that car was the, that was my parents' basement. Um, but, yeah, no, the make a studio wherever I end up finding myself. Now, Matthias, uh, we were talking about this earlier. You know about, you know a little, uh, a little bit about uh, taking a, uh, a ball on Legos. He, he was in this Lego match, and uh, the back, his back after he was suplexed on the Legos uh, looked like you could, uh, you could connect the dots on his back. Right, Matthias? Yeah, you know, when you're wrestling in a no-holds-barred match and, you know, you get a certain variety of weapons that come out, um, well, I brought out, I think it was about 700 Legos. Uh, I brought them in a bag, and I poured them out, and, yeah, landed. Like, you know how people like to complain about how they step on them with a bare foot? Well, I went bare back on them a few times. So, yeah, it was uh, my back was pretty uh, indented by the time I got out of the ring. Now, when you uh, came up with the idea for the Lego movie, what was it? Was it just like you were just like playing with Legos one day, and you're like all of a sudden like HBO says, uh, "Coming up next, Lego Star Wars," and you're like you watch it and like I can do something better. Was that the way it was? Uh, it was much more gradual than that, actually. I like I mentioned before, I've kind of been working on this uh, series for years prior to this particular film, and I kind of wanted to reboot it in a sense. You know, I. I I liked the direction things were going, and I liked this kind of alien entity enemy that I had created. Um, and there were some really compelling characters that I wanted to explore more. Uh, so I came up with a plot with some friends that would kind of revamp the entire series into one package, one movie that anybody could watch uh, and enjoy, but that fans of the old stuff would really, really enjoy so you don't need to have seen any of my other work to enjoy this film or know what's going on, uh, but fans of the YouTube channel and of the older videos will certainly catch some things. And uh, we get, we we got about uh, ten minutes. We're gonna d devote the rest of the show to you. Uh, how many are you expecting uh, for the premiere? Or I should say, how many you wanted? I know you want to sell out, but how many how many uh, seats are available? Is it the whole theater? Yeah, it'll be really interesting. So we've got the main theater at the Fargo Theater. Um, it actually seats 800, which kind of shocked me, but uh, obviously as many of those seats as we can fill as possible. Um, it's kind of one of those things where it's hard. We released a limited amount of kind of early bird tickets, um, and we put posters up all over town, these incredible posters done by Jason. And that, that does work. Yeah, yeah. That's how I found you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> clearly the proof is in the pudding. Um, but, you know, uh, hoping that this will reach some more people and there may be a different demographic than the posters have reached. And it'll just be really fascinating. But, you know, I'm, even if, whether it's, you know, 100 or 400 or who 800, you know, I'll just be so excited. I've never premiered a film and watched a room full of people respond to something I've made in this way. So it's an extremely exciting experience just for that. Well, you know, every time I go to the Fargo Theater, I always sit in the first seat in the first row every time, and I will be there on Saturday. Now, I don't want that to deter people from showing up, but I'll tell you what, I'll even make it worth your while after you do the uh, Q&A session. If you guys want an autograph from the director and from myself, well, your autograph would be worth more than mine, <laughs> but uh, I'll be there to help support you. And uh, uh, we, uh, I am going to be giving away some tickets this week on our Facebook page. You got to go to 89.1 Kent FM page like that. Go to uh, As You Air Monday Live Monday like that. We'll get you qualified to win the tickets. And uh, the first eight people that respond and go to like the, either Ken's page or my page 
will win tickets for the show. And uh, and you said that, well, we, we talked about this earlier, uh, you want to do a trilogy, uh, so you want to do two more films, but hopefully you're not going to stop at that. Uh, but uh, And I was serious when I said that, as you can see, I, I've had to beg and plead for jobs on this show, but I would love to be part of your film, uh, a voiceover, even if it's a guy that gets killed right away, because uh, I guarantee more people in the part of the funeral flock to the masses to see, uh, hear the icon's voice, and to watch his character get taken out. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, even in this first film, I actually have quite a few cameos of kind of famous brick filmers, you know, people who do what I do, who are uh, YouTube famous or internet famous, or have been doing this for a long time, are kind of legendary in that sense, and they make some appearances. Uh, I'm sure we can find a guest appearance for the icon to uh, play a role. You know, and one thing that uh, all our guests have talked about tonight is funding, trying to get funding for uh, uh, their project. Uh, I'm guessing that because it's stop motion and you don't have to pay any extras, really, uh, funding really wasn't an issue for some stop motion, correct? Or what? Well, funding is always an issue. You know, there's uh, oh, the beauty of it is it's far less of an issue than it would be for something you know, uh, on a larger scale or live action. Um, but you still need, there's a large amount of specific Legos I needed to order. Um, and, you know, just uh, paying the bills in general. A lot, lot of little sneaky kind of expenses that get rolled into it, even if I'm creating it all out of my room. So we actually did run an Indiegogo. Um, and, you know, that made a few grand, which really kind of, it uh, really did make a difference and helped speed up production. But, um, yeah, no, it really resonated with what those other guests said about kind of, you know, scraping anywhere you can to find dollars to cover the cover the bill. Now, one thing I was asking, you know, you have, you know, in the, it's, it's a Lego movie, so you have all, like, the little characters, the little guys, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a name for those guys? I've been playing those for years. I know. Is there... Yeah, minifigures is minifigures. what they're called, yeah. Now, do you have, did you have to get permission from Legos to use those guys? Uh, I did not, and it's an you know it's a fair question because um, something that I was really concerned making this film, I was like you know what would it take to get on Lego's bad side and you know have them you know uh, come down on me legally and uh, for all my exploring, it's it is technically in a bit of a legal gray area. You know if they wanted to come after me, if they decided that I was misrepresenting Lego or I was um, you know trying to pretend that I was affiliated with them, they could certainly come after me for that, and uh, that would be tough. But that's why I'm very clear about my disclosures on the posters and big white text that says this film is not affiliated or endorsed by, et cetera, et cetera, Lego. Um, so we'd love to work with them someday, but for now, it's just me. You know what you can do on your next poster? <laughs> this film is not endorsed by Lego, but it is endorsed by the icon in Attitude Era Monday Live Monday. That I could do. Uh, hey, Granny, uh, we got about uh, five minutes here before our theme starts. You, you got a question for our buddy here? No, I'm, I'm just been listening. I think everything's been asked that I was thinking about asking, so I think I'm good. I'm good. So, uh, Matthias, uh, you might want to have uh, uh, Christian uh, donate some Legos for your next Lego match. Well, like I said, I've always, uh, I don't even know if I'll be doing, uh, unfortunately, with uh, with this recurring injury, I don't even know the next time I'll be able to do that kind of match. Lord knows it could be a year from now, it could be two years. So, I mean, if we keep bringing him on and keep promoting him and stuff like that, and he wants to donate a good couple thousand Legos or make a weapon out of Legos for me to use against my opponent, I'd be more than willing to accept it. 
What do you think, Christian? So there's an idea. I'll set aside all my flat tiles for you. That should be pretty manageable. Perfect. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Christian uh, as our guest here. We've got about uh, four minutes before our music hits. So uh, tell us again, uh, without giving ticket prices, uh, when it is, where it is, the name of it, where do they go? Tell us all about it. Yeah, so it's The Void War, Great Horizons. It's a 90-minute sci-fi stop-motion animated film made entirely with Lego. I uh, got a full cast of really talented local voice actors, an original score, uh, plenty of special effects. You can watch it at the Fargo Theater this Saturday, June 10th. Doors open at 6.30, and the film starts at 7. And uh, uh, do you know if the concessions will be open at this time? I believe the concessions will be open. Uh, there is an event before ours that the concessions are open for, so those should be available. And uh, so uh, so you said the doors open at 6, right? 6.30. Yep. 6.30, and the film starts at 7. Yep, yep, and uh, I'll you know, be giving a little thank you right before the film starts. Um, film will screen, you know, an hour and a half, and after that we'll do a little Q&A. And something, you know, for fans of LEGO toys or people with, you know, um, kids who enjoy playing with LEGO, we are actually selling uh, not only figures from the film, characters from the film, but also uh, these kind of small battle packs, you know, packs of these uh, custom-created soldiers uh, that are characters from the film as well. So there's going to be some stuff there for people who like the little collectibles. And uh, parents, uh, your kids will pick up their Legos. They will not, if you, if you bring them to this film, they will pick up their Legos, and you will not step on them. I cannot tell you, and uh, I know my sisters are watching, so uh, th I'm going to admit this now. I used to purposely leave my Legos outside of their bedroom door so they would step on them and hurt themselves. Uh, I used to do that. I was an evil kid. Uh, Dark man. It is. It is. But uh, hey, that's what happens. They used to. Uh, they used to seek their revenge on me as well. But anyway, so we got uh, two minutes here. Uh, what is the time frame you uh, suppose that you'll start making your next film, or have you already started it? Yeah, so I guess one thing I realize I probably should say as a disclaimer is I would rate the film PG-13. I probably wouldn't bring, you know, four- or five-year-olds to it. There's some uh, some light cursing, some, you know, toy violence, and some pretty dark themes, but it's the kind of movie I would have loved as a nine-year-old boy, you know, just would have been a huge fan of. Um, but as far as the sequel, I've already started plotting it out. Um, and there's going to be a lot more that will go into it, and I could see it taking up to five years to produce, honestly, but... Uh, getting very excited about it already, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my name out there right now. I will help you in any way you can, uh, and uh, hopefully it'll be less than five years, and hopefully we'll still be on the air. But uh, one thing is, Attitude Air Live Monday is not going away. Uh, we may not be on the station, but uh, I, and I'm not even going to talk about that. But our show is still not going away. We will find a way to keep coming to you every Monday night because we're, we're we're booking guests left and right. Uh, so anyway, uh, Granny, uh, we got about a minute. You'll be here with us next week. I know. And Matthias, you'll be here with us next week. That's the plan, unless surgery or something else takes uh, takes over. And we'll uh, we'll get we'll get an update on what's going on with you next week. And I'll give more about my honey do list uh, after this weekend. <laughs> it's growing. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Christian, you have been awesome. We want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule uh, to be with us as well. It's been my pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. And uh, you will join us again, right? Absolutely. All right. And we look forward to that. Uh, until next week, same time, same channel, 89.1.
7 p.m. or 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time every Monday night here on 89.1 Kids FM. Remember, it's not goodbye. It's just goodnight. Join us next week. We love you all. Thanks for listening, and be safe. We love you. You think you know me.